Hi there, this is Pastor Ty, the Associate Pastor at Chippewa United Methodist Church, and I'm glad that you're here with us. This podcast today comes from our Bible study series on Paul's letter to the Philippians. This week's chapter three. Well, ladies, thank you for joining us and all of those who are finding their way here um, either later this week or sometime down the road. I've actually had a number of people comment to me that they've been watching and enjoying the study and our conversations, so that's really great. Glad to hear that it's uh, making that connection. So let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. We give you thanks, gracious God, for another opportunity to come and know you more. And so with joy in our hearts and expectation for what you are about to share with us, we pray your Holy Spirit would flow through this space and through the distance um, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and that we would know you even more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we did a little little conversation there about Philippi and looking at our map here. Um, So just some little reminders as we make our way to chapter 3 today. Uh, that there is a great deal of joy in this study, in these few short chapters, and that Paul continues to speak of rejoicing, and we'll talk more about that here this morning. Last week, we talked uh, about unity and what it is to imitate Christ, um, what it is to become selfless, to become emptied, so that we can be used, changed, morphed into who God desires for us to be. So this week we're looking at chapter 3, and it is titled for me, Knowing Christ. <clears throat> I don't know how your Bibles might, might uh, title this beginning section of chapter 3. I'm very interested. Oh, yes? No no, ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. No confidence in the flesh. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. Yes. I like it. This title doesn't have a well, doesn't title, but the one that I have at home that I uh-huh. look at was knowing Christ. Uh-huh. Basically, it was based on joy and knowing Christ. Yes. And that kind of yeah. So All right. Saying. Excellent. Well, let's get into it. (laughs) So, verse 1. In addition, or finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. So we have another instance of joy, rejoicing. Um, remember that, that joy is not a matter of being happy, but, but this rejoicing is to have joy, to even conjure joy, to know joy, rejoicing in the Lord. And I love um, to write to you again. So this is interesting. Um, you know, why does it... Why does, why do commentaries wait till you're th- <laughs> in chapter three before they talk about things? I don't know, but we'll talk about it now because this is where I came out with it. But some um, talk about this letter to the Philippians, the three or the four chapters being four separate letters. Well, and then somebody just kind of put them all together, which is an interesting concept. But here, because he's saying to write to you again, right? Like it would be another letter. And if they did put it together, then they would have taken off probably salutations here or there and just added them front and back. Mine says, to write the same things to you is not troublesome to me. Mm, okay. And for you, it is a safeguard. So maybe some letters were found somewhere. I mean, mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I like the way he said it's not troublesome because yes. for you, it is a safeguard. It's like yes. this 
like he's teaching them about Christ. So right. it's a little reminder. Right. He's like emphasizing things. You know? Yeah. And and we're going to, there's going to be a lot about the in, importance of why he is writing in these next few verses. And I'm glad you brought up the word safeguard um, because that actually, this here's the little Greek word for safeguard. Oh, sorry. I didn't put that it was safeguard. Anyways. Um, but this, this word actually means essentially to not fall or trip. Right. So so this is a safeguard for you. This is a way to help keep you from falling, a way to help keep you from tripping up. Um, So I'm going to write this again. I'm going to write this again. I'm going to talk about it again. (laughs) I'll talk about it again. So verse two, it's going to pack some punches now. Paul's not holding back. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. Well then, okay. (laughs) Um, The term dogs, I mean, that was the lowest of the low, the unclean, um, that you did not want to be associated with that to be called a dog just meant that you were nothing, right? Because dogs ran in packs. They were scavengers. Um, you know, if, if you came across a pack of dogs, there, there could be some danger for you. Um, these were the lowest. So that was a big deal. Those who are doing the evil or watch out for the evil workers. Um, those who, um, so, cause he's also talking about those who are coming after him. You know, he goes into an area, he preaches Christ, Christ crucified, he talks about God's grace, and he moves on to another place, and people come in behind him. And we'll talk more about that. And they start saying, oh, well, Paul said this, yes, but you also need to know, you also need to do. So he's saying, there are pe- these evil workers, they're not doing good, they're coming in, um, and, and uh, contradicting or adding on to what I've told you, which isn't the case. Um, and watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. So this is specifically uh, a dig at those Judaizers who would follow him, who would come and say, oh, this is wonderful. You've received Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now you need to be circumcised. And, and there in the Greek here, there's even a little like kind of a, a play on words there, uh, circumcision and mutilating the flesh, um, is, it's not very different to mutilate or to circumcise. Those words in the Greek aren't very different. So here he's really playing on that to saying, yeah, they're telling you, you need to be circumcised. I'm telling you that, that for them to do that is a mutilation. It is not worth the flesh. And that is not what, uh, we taught you. That is not what Christ desires for you. But you know what? That was for a while. A, I don't want to say a bone of contention. Oh, yeah. Between Peter and Paul. Yes. Because Peter was always the one. He was, I don't want to say, Paul understood what could happen if he fell into legalism. And he goes on in this chapter to explain mm-hmm. what can happen to a person when mm-hmm. you get that. You know. um, but Peter had a little trouble until it was explained to him. Uh, and God can right. do that in the dream and the whole thing. But yep. Uh, yep. that was a practice that had always been. And it mm-hmm. was to separate them for God. And that was mm-hmm. a hard tradition. Uh, not just a practice, but tradition. It's part of their covenant with God to give up because... And this is what he was trying mm-hmm. to tell them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but so he goes on there in verse 3 to say, for we are the circumcision... The ones who worship by the Spirit of God boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. So I loved this that, so there in verse three, we are the circumcision. (laughs) I'm going to use their language and tell you who we are actually supposed to be and what we need to be concerned with. So um, in in the commentary that I use with, from William Barclay, he said it like this. 
In Leviticus, the sacred lawgiver says that the uncircumcised hearts of Israel must be humbled to accept the punishments of God. The summons of the writer in Deuteronomy is, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. He says to the Lord, he says that the Lord will circumcise their hearts and make them love him. Jeremiah speaks of the uncircumcised ear, the ear that will not hear the word of God. And the writer of Exodus speaks of uncircumcised lips. So what Paul is saying is, if you have nothing to show but circumcision of the flesh, you are not really circumcised. You are only mutilated. Real circumcision is devotion of heart and mind and life to God. Is there another meaning for circumcision besides mutilation? Like a parting of or an opening of or something because your hearts need to be open, your mind needs to be open. I'm looking at the different, you know, examples. Is, would there be another uh, uncircumcised ear? In other words... Uh, I don't know. Well, so circumcision, though, was the, was the you know, the symbol of being devoted to God. Well, it was your symbol of being a Jew. So it was, it was saying that you were an Israelite, yeah. that you, and, and that you, that that was all that was needed to identify. Because when that happened, when circumcision happened, that was how you were able to be identified. You were part of that family, right? But, but here, even in, in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus, Exodus, these prophets and the, and the folks there were saying, whoa, we're allowing it to only be a flesh thing. And, it, and even then, even before Christ, they were identifying that the way you are identified as being God's, you know, God's chosen or God's people is not by some physical manifestation that we can exhibit, but it is in how we hear God, in how we respond out of love for God. It's about, you know, it's not just about following the law, but obviously we're not, <laughs> we haven't, obviously that circumcision doesn't really matter if we're being stubborn you know, and not being obedient to the laws that God has provided for us. So, and, and, and remember, it's a very, I mean, it's a slight difference between circumcision and mutilation. So it's very, you know, it's a slight difference. It's not the same word. It has the same root. Um, but so Paul is really saying, hey, it's not about what you do to your flesh. It's about your mind your heart, your lips, your ears. Yeah. Another question. Okay. And I have to shut up or we'll never get this class over with. Did Christ use baptism as replacement for circumcision? No. 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 Mm -mm. No. no, separate altogether. Okay, because I yeah. know it's one of the, the sacraments, and I didn't know if mm -hmm. that was your profession of faith, if that yeah. was the outward. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. It's, because, well, because it's not a, it's not a physical, physical thing, no. Yeah, thing no. that remains visible would be my, yeah. So, okay. But so then, so in verse three, so we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the spirit. Not, it's not a ritual but, but our worship is by the Spirit. So it's not, did we, did we follow all of these regulations to complete all of these sacrifices or whatever in a timely manner? But it is my heart's worship to God, the, the worship um, by the Spirit of God, that we would boast in Christ, uh, in Christ Jesus, and here it would be boasting in his death. Um, and did, do not put confidence in the flesh. Because in the circumcision, it is what we have done for God. But our confidence as those who believe in Jesus Christ is that we are trusting God 
for what God is doing. It's not about what we're doing. It's about what God is doing in the midst of that. So verse four, then (laughs) this is the fun part. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, Paul says, and then he begins this big list of the things that he is able to boast in that he can document and prove, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so he says, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. All right. Verse five circumcised the eighth day. All right. So there we have the, the symbol, every, every Jewish boy, eighth day. It was important that he said eighth day because Ishmaelites circumcised their boys on the 13th day. So he's saying, hey, I'm not just circumcised like anybody. I'm circumcised the way the Israelites have on the eighth day. That is the Jew that I am the eighth day circumcision. Um, Also making sure that people recognize that he's also not somebody who, you know, became a Jew later and, and also had that circumcision done later. Nope, eighth day. Of the nation of Israel, so again, he's tying his lineage back to Jacob. You know, he's not any of these offshoots that still get to be a part of you know, that family, nope, I'm, I'm tying myself all the way back there. So the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and that is significant because Saul, the first king, was of the tribe of Benjamin. Um, because when, the, uh, because when, when they split from the northern and southern kingdoms, Benjamin was with Judah which was the one that, that lasted the longest. They're the ones who actually returned. Um, and there's another thing, another Benjamin. Oh, Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin was also the leader in all of the, the battles that they would go into. So it, there was a cry of, you know, behind Benjamin. <laughs> or like, there goes Benjamin and we're following Benjamin. They're going first. So, so that as well of the tribe of the Benjamin, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, then a Hebrew of Hebrews. So at this time, um, you know, when you're living in a Roman colony, everybody's speaking Latin, but here he was born of a, of a Jewish mother and father and the Hebrew of Hebrews would mean that they still spoke Hebrew in their home. So they weren't just Jews like anywhere else. They were ones who actually still spoke the language as well. So that's his family of origin. He's holding tightly to all those things. Here's what I can prove. So then he says, regarding the law of Pharisee, very few people could claim Pharisee. You know, a few thousand people. The Pharisee part of it is that he was devoted to every single tiny detail of the law. It wasn't a matter of knowing it. He was living it. Every single iota. So he was a Pharisee when it came to the law. Verse 6, regarding zeal, persecuting the church. He was so zealous for the faith and for God that any, anyone who was coming against it in, in any way, mm-mm. he was going to be right there fighting you, bringing you up on charges because that was against uh, what he knew to be the law. So he was zealous for that. And we know about that, right? I mean, we know about that from, from Acts, how he's on the road to Damascus. He was going to Damascus with letter in hand to be able to, you know, imprison people of the way. <clears throat> Regarding the righteousness that is the law, blameless. When it comes to being in right standing, you could not hold, you couldn't find a thing to hold against him. You weren't going to find it. 
<laughs> you could dig and dig and dig, but you were not going to find a thing that you could hold against him. That is... So he's saying he is perfect. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he is just like Jesus. Well, so we'll get to that. Because okay. he's not saying that, but he's saying, but he's saying that that if you want to hold someone to the standard of the law that God has given, I'm, I'm the one you can look at. And everything that, I, that I've just shared with you, there's not a thing that you're going to be able to find that I've faltered in. Because that's the life that I was raised in. That's the life that I was living. And nothing was going to keep me from that. Because of the righteousness that he knew he had. But, in, but the righteousness according to the law meant you had to. There was no grace there. Right? There was no grace. There was no, there was no messing up. If you were righteous in the law, you, you were essentially perfect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So verse 7 then. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. So there it is, right? He just goes from the importance, the way he had dedicated all of himself to being obedient to the law. It meant nothing compared to knowing Christ. More than that, verse 8 says, I also consider everything to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. So all of that... I have suffered the loss of all things. You, you can't go back now and look at his life from the time he's known Christ and say that re- according to the law, he is righteous, right? All of these things are a loss. I've suffered the loss. That would be, that would be something. I mean, to have to go through that, to realize that there's a lot about everything you've devoted your life to that's going to have to change. What you, what you believe, how you believe it to be, it has to change because of Christ. So that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith, in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. So that, that righteousness is, righteousness is the right standing or the right relationship. So, so the, the righteousness that we receive from God based on faith, not the righteousness and the right standing based on law, but the one based on faith is this one that is a relationship that, uh, that brings with it an acceptance and an approval that is completely separate from the law. Just, I mean, incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Verse 10, my goal is to know him. Not this, this word know is not to know of something, but it is that knowing, that intimate knowledge, that intimacy that you would have with another person, that knowing. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead, giving all of his life, 
everything that was anything, giving it up, giving it over. Just to know Jesus. Just to know the Christ. Just to have that relationship, to know that acceptance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> Think about all that you've given your entire life to. And know that there has to be changes. And that is what he is telling them. Don't let these people come after me and tell you, oh, that was really nice that you believe everything that Paul told you and that he was able to explain all of the scriptures and how this Jesus the Christ uh, fulfilled all of those prophecies. Mm, But you still should do this. And he's like, yeah. Oh, my final thought on that is that he's like, no, it's not the law. You, You can't just have the law. Because if you only have the law, you miss out on God's grace. And and so he's going to get into some details about that. But if you only hear about God's grace, you miss out on the law, which he'll talk about in a minute. But Paul was the perfect person to come to them with this because he was that type of person. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm telling you, it doesn't work. That's not what you need. If you want a close relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to really know our Lord, give that up. And I'm proof, living yeah. proof, because he's a much... In other words, he uses the word joy so much. I'm a yeah. much happier man. Yes. I got no joy out of what I was doing. I was yeah. killing, you know, Jews. I was killing people. Mm-hmm. He, I, there was no joy in that. Triumph, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. Self-accolade, but mm-hmm. no joy. Right. Now he has joy. Mm-hmm. He's the perfect one mm-hmm. to bring that message. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? he'd been there and done that. Yeah, there was all kind of honor that he was receiving from people. But that's not what God wanted him to do. Now he got to have a, a nice big bright light shine in his face so that he could hear that message, you're not doing what I want you to do. But, <laughs> but he, had, he had to have that history behind him. Yes. Right? God that is knew. a powerful message. He knew because he was grooming him to be that impactual yeah. person. Absolutely. Oh, what a powerful message to be able to have. Yeah. 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 But it also goes back when Jesus uh, told the disciples when he met them at the Sea of Galilee, drop your nets and follow me. Mm-hmm. Drop everything, leave your families, yes. leave everything. Yeah. And follow me. Yeah. No, me, not all the laws and everything. So it really goes back to. Yeah, you think about Absolutely. Courage, huh? yeah. yeah. You look at the courage it must have taken. I mean, absolute devotional belief and courage. Mm-hmm. Just. Mm-hmm. Because they probably they had families, they had children. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure they did. Yeah. And. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Incredible. Oh, wow. Okay, last few verses, few verses, what? Um, starting there at verse 12. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have taken hold, have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. I've been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. This, um, I know we've talked like, you know, joys like here 14 times in this letter and um, I ha- uh, 15 times Lord is used in these four chapters. Paul uses Christ 32 times. And, and Christ, the one set apart by God and the anointed king, um, the one that rules over everything the Christ. So I realize I'm not perfect, (laughs) but I know that I've been taken hold of by Christ, by the one who is over all things. That, That is his purpose now. He knows that he has been taken over by Christ. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have hit, taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Reaching forward, I want to just highlight that, right? That reaching forward, maybe it's a straining ahead, but think of, think of a, a runner in a race. When, when they're getting close to that tape, what do they do every time? They are leaning forward. You're amazed that they're even you know, upright at that point because they're leaning forward so hard because they, they're almost there and they're going to get to that tape. So that, that is that image. Um, right, last week we talked about how, how the runners were, they, he was running this race to utter exhaustion and he is now using that image again of straining, of, of continually reaching forward. Yeah, that's the word in my body, straining. straining, yeah, straining, reaching um, to be able to get to that prize. Never, never relaxing, right? Never relaxing, not lowering standards. We are in this. We're moving forward, not slowing down. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. The... Um, the words perfect and mature. So in verse 12, it was the word perfect. And here in verse 15, the, the word mature, they're actually both the same word. Teleos. But, but the essence of the meaning of the word is that you are um, no longer the learner, but the expert. Right? That you have... You're not the the young man, but you are you are the one who has matured and grown and knows all of it. Now my translation says that it's a reasonable progress in spiritual growth. Okay, that you have not reached it yet. Uh -huh. But you have made it, you know, right. like sometimes we call somebody that's just become a Christian, a baby right. Christian. And this one, he, they have started, but yeah. he yeah. interprets it as the progress of spiritual growth. Right, so that's why he's saying, not that I've already reached the goal, not that I'm already perfect, but that's what he means by perfect. So I haven't obtained that perfection. That's how we should be thinking. If we are ones who are claiming to be mature, then we need to be thinking this way. Our, our purpose has not been complete yet. We have not finished that, that race. We need to be straining toward it, reaching for it, so that we can obtain that goal. We're not there yet, but this is what we're going for. This is what we're looking to. Is that like growing in sanctification? Yes. Right, yeah, like a sanctifying grace, a growing, a growing grace, a growing in our understanding. Yeah, growing in grace. Absolutely. Verse 16, so this is interesting to follow up to that, right? In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. So wherever we are, we, wherever we are, we need to live up to that. You, you can't just have that knowledge and not live it, right? If you know it, you better be living it. So verse 17, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. That's always a hard thing for people to read. And like, I hope people aren't trying to imitate me. <laughs> but Paul can say here, hey, join in imitating me. In, in all that I've just shared with you, 
and the humility of knowing who I am, that I haven't reached the, the perfection yet, but I am reaching for it. I'm going for it because that is what God has called me to. That is the purpose that Christ has placed within me. So come on, let's do this together. Verse 18, for I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. So this is this is the opposite that I kind of alluded to earlier, right? We had the people at the beginning of this chapter that he was calling the dogs that were so, so committed to the law and following every bit of it that they were coming behind Paul and saying to people who had received um, Christ through faith, he was saying, they were like, hey, hey, no, no, come on, follow the laws. That's great, you've got Jesus, but follow the laws. And now, here we are towards the end of the chapter at the other end of the spectrum. These are the people who are saying, I know Jesus. I know his grace. I can live my life the way I've always lived it and still know Jesus. Right? So it is the complete end. I need nothing of the law. And he's saying they're being destroyed by their own gods, their stomach, their glory is their shame. They're focused on the earthly things. And we've got to remember that Paul was living in a Roman, under mm -hmm. Roman law at the time. Mm -hmm. So he's speaking, to, as I interpreted that when he, this little first section here is that he's talking of the Romans. Well, but, but remember, these aren't Jews necessarily. These are people who have been living in that place. And so there are some, um, there, are some there who are still having a hard time letting go of that stuff. Yeah, right? Because, I'm, I mean, yes, here we are in this Roman colony. You're right. And, and after 21 years of service in the Roman army, you have citizenship. And you've worked that hard. Why would you give that up? Yeah. Yes. Why would they ever want to let that go? So for, but for the cause of Christ, he's saying, you have to turn from this stuff. It will be the end of you. And it will not, um, it will not keep you there with Christ. So verse 20 says, uh, well, right at the verse of 19, they are focused on earthly things. And then 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. So he is just going, I know you've worked hard for this citizenship as a Roman, but that is not where you need to place your trust, right? Your citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, not Nero, not, not Caesar, right? Not the one who's, who's over the Roman Empire. We want Jesus, the Lord, the Christ, the anointed one, who's over all things. The Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. So calling back to the that to is, that Christ, yeah, that's hard as those Roman citizens. citizens. To let that go. But that, that is, yeah, that's hard as those, that 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 those Roman citizens. To let that go and recognize that they're citizens. To let that go. But that is, yeah, that's hard as those Roman citizens. To let that go and recognize that they're citizenship. To let that go. But that is, yeah, that's hard as those Roman citizens. To let that go and recognize that their citizenship. To let that go. To let that go and recognize that their citizenship. And the fear that they must have had, because of Roman law, that if you sneezed the wrong way, you were thrown into jail or you were crucified or you know whatever. So for them to taking that leap, it to me would be just.
it. Why? Because our goal is to know. Our goal is to know him. And, and our purpose is to continue reaching out, striving ahead, never letting down, never backing down. I find it interesting, too. I don't know. My Bible, you have said... Um, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. I do not have sisters in my translation. Am I, I the only one? I don't know whether it's either. You don't have either? No, mine says, therefore, my brothers. Yeah, um, but never mentioned the women. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you, you brought that. I mean, we know yeah. that there certainly were the women. Yeah. And um, But for him to acknowledge it or... You have picked up the translation or seen it somewhere. Well, right, and so this is a, um, the Christian Standard Bible, uh, which is typically a little more conservative. Um, Your says brothers and sisters, right? Yes, she said that several times. Let's see, mine does, mm -hmm. yeah. Mine does, does yours? Mine's the new revised standard. Do you have sister in yours? Yes, I do. Okay, and I do not, then so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, um, in newer translations, uh, or newer versions of translations, because they're, like, even the newer translation of the NIV does include uh, brothers and sisters in many places, but it's only in places where it is a more of a general term, where, where it could also be translated siblings. Okay. Yes. So they're still faithful to, if it is specifically, you know, if there's no way of saying that could potentially be a sibling uh, uh, way that that one is worded, they'll stick to uh, a brother or something like that. But, but a lot of translations have moved to their newer, yeah, to their updated version anyway, to have something Paul like that. from Savannah, Georgia, he would have said, I want y'all to know. Yes. Would be yes. Inclusive. Right. And that's another way of being able. I know that some translations will do that because that's another way of. Because they're not going to put in a translation, y'all. <laughs> or yous guys. Hey, hey, yous guys. Hey, yous guys. Hey, hey, yous guys. Yeah. So instead, they'll put in brothers and sisters because then it, it, it includes then the plural you. I'm going to go pull out the message and see if it's that way. Oh. Is, is there a message up there? There's Bibles sitting there. I don't think so. That's a good... I'm going to look at that one. Yeah. That, that is there. really... The good news. Yeah. Well, she can call it up. Oh, her. yeah. So, but, the, but I feel like the good news may have been... Older. Older, so I don't know if they would have. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, my goodness. I love being able to pull up apps and... Yeah. Access things so quickly, but this just wanted me to. <laughs> it wanted me to tell them how good they're doing. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm busy. I do. I know I've got the message on here. What chapter? <laughs> right? How about that? Shoot. How about this chapter? Yeah. Oh, friends, in the message there on verse 13 is what I chose to pull up. Mm -hmm. So verse 13, I have brothers and sisters. I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. In the NIV, it says, friends, don't get me wrong. So it's just now, more of a... Verse 13? Yeah. yeah. Verse 13 starts for me, beloved. Oh. The what? Beloved. Beloved. Wow. I do not consider that I have made it my own. Yes. But on other areas, it has said brothers and sisters. Yeah. Like the beginning of the third chapter. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> right? Interesting stuff. Wow. So, do you feel like uh, you might be uh, challenged in some things? <laughs> Encouraged in some things? <laughs> I mean, uh, I got to say, I am grateful that I am not held to the standard of righteousness that the law dictated and required. I mean, 
you know, could you imagine having somebody tell you about Christ and being like, wow, this is amazing. And then somebody coming behind them and saying, oh, wasn't Paul great? Here, we want to teach you more things. Here are 613 laws you need to follow. I I just, I can't imagine. (laughs) Talk about confusion. Being like, yeah, I think I'll just stick with my life. (laughs) If that's really what it's going to be about. Right? Pretty wild. Well, what's a modern day example of that? Yeah, see, she does what I do. I like to bring it up yeah. to the. Yeah. What is the modern day example of what? Of of following all the laws. False teachers. Oh. Which is what this. Oh, that is so hard. Yeah. I struggle with that a lot. What is, yeah? It's fine for me to read this, yes, from a perspective of back then. Right. How do we bring it here? Right. Yeah. Well, I think we have so many talking about the dogs and those that. um, I close my book, Mm -hmm. but I think we are dealing with many dogs out Mm -hmm. in our society now. Uh, the uh, militant groups, the um, mm. uh, there's just so much hate right now. There's no turning toward the Lord, mm-hmm. and, and they're thinking on their own, and they want to have things their way or no way at all. And I kind of yeah, that's a I very. I think there are a lot of dogs out there right now. Yeah. They're nipping at our heels, and if we want to call them Satan. And what Satan has done with so many people today mm. in the world, I think we're dealing with a great deal of what he said. And, if you and there are not a lot of us that are going out and trying to teach what we just learned. Mm-hmm. And if you look historically, you can back to the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and you know the the the, the Judah, the Jews were mm-hmm. were bad and evil, and that, or they didn't really have a feeling mm-hmm. for them. They weren't even human, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd be and yet there's still a lot of that going on in the world today. We don't call it the Holocaust, but a lot of people are being exterminated or killed for whatever reason, for their belief in Christ or mm-hmm. they don't like the law that's going on. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think in today we're just fighting a lot of, Internally, we're fighting a lot of what is going on in society today. Mm-hmm. And it's not the world that I grew up in. It mm-hmm. has changed so drastically mm-hmm. in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm just asking these questions. Yeah. Um, were these people who were saying, yes, Paul was great, uh, but let me show you something else. Is that happening in our church today? Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's what I'm looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And how do we identify well, wisdom and discernment? Mm-hmm. But how do we... That is, so, so it's kind of interesting because I have a hard time. Um, I, I don't like to be pigeonholed or, or, you know, I don't really like people to look at me and say, oh, she's part of that group. You know, that is something that I've really tried to avoid um, being identified in this side or that side. And if for anyone to ever come to me with questions, I'm going to say, I want you to look in the scriptures. I want you to study and learn. I want you to know to God. Be <laughs> to be yes. 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 Absolutely. Right. Because, because even even with the good things that you hear from this side, there are still the times where you're like, but you've just really pushed that way over there. And then there are times where it's like, oh, this is wonderful. And I have so, I feel such freedom. And maybe I'm pushing it a little. Isn't that getting a little too far away in freedom of things. So where, where does it say in scripture, this is who I'm to be. This is why I'm to be that way. Where is it that, that 
Paul or Jesus or someone is, is calling us to love, to, uh, to encourage, to live in a certain way. Because let's be honest, for you know, thousands of years, we've just continued to splinter ourselves as Christians. So uh, the next group who says to me, well, we're the right way. Uh, are you? Why, why are you the right way? Why at this moment in time are you the one? When, you know, in Martin Luther's time, he was the one splitting off from the Catholic Church. That's the other thing. Nobody ever wants to split off. When these denominations are, are formed, Luther wasn't trying to form the Lutheran Church. He was trying to bring reform to the Catholic Church. John Wesley wasn't trying to make the, a Methodist church. He was trying to bring reform to, you know, to the Church of England. So he was, they were never saying, we have to do it a different way, and if you're going to do it the right way, then you have to come with me, right? So that, it's hard. And if people are taking seriously their faith, if they're working on that perfection and that maturity, then they're going to look to their scriptures. Then they're going to be in prayer. Then they're going to seek for themselves and know where they want to be and where they need to be. Well, this takes me back to the 80s when I was new. Mm -hmm. uh, new at studying. You know, yes, sure. Not a new Christian, but new at, at studying. And I believe, I'm not shooting at a Seventh-day Adventist, but I think a, a guy that I worked with, I think he was a Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. And he was trying to tell me um, that I could lose my salvation. Oh. And I was in turmoil for a while. Yeah. A, a long time till I got that straight because I hadn't studied enough to realize that, you know. So there's an example of someone who was telling me Mm -hmm. And then the answer I got, mm -hmm. not from any uh, word that I read, but one day uh, the Lord spoke to me as he does, there's no peace in that. Mm. And then from then on, I was able to deal with him. But I think he is an example of one of those mm -hmm. coming along and saying, mm -hmm. yeah, but you, you could, mm -hmm. you could, and I don't want to get into it. <laughs> no, right. No, I understand. Right, but it is kind of one of those like, oh no, there's still laws that you have to follow. You have to, you, you have yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For whatever that's worth. Mm -hmm. But you know, studying scripture, and you know there are those who will look to prove their point in scripture, on either side of sure. them, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, and I'm doing it more and more. At you know, going into prayer before you read, saying, you know, Lord. Show me the truth mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you put your own perceptions onto it. Mm -hmm. And your own, just, it's automatic. Mm -hmm. When you read anything or see anything, you bring your own yeah. uh, past mm -hmm. and uh, your own conception to that, that part. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really to get the pure entity of what God is really saying. Mm -hmm. And what these men, what Paul was really saying. You've got to be that humble to say, Lord, give me the correct, like you said, discernment. So that I can, you know, mm -hmm. truly understand the meaning mm -hmm. of these words. Mm -hmm. So they're not conflicted in mm -hmm. any way. Or just to bring my own justification for my own feelings. Oh, this sure. is what I do, you know. That you do it in all humbleness. And mm -hmm. that's not an easy thing. Because sometimes we just pick up the Bible and say, you know. So, but yeah. it's right, Shannon. It's, <laughs> right. very, it's very true, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very easy to pick up the Bible and, and do a word search. Where is the word this, you know, right. whatever it is. And then we look at the verse, but we don't look at the context. We're not really studying it. We're just wanting to hone in on something that can serve our purpose for what we're wanting at that moment. And it's, and it's so important, too, that we recognize that we're going to change and grow. The thing that you came to believing, like came in with, your understandings that you come into faith with, they that's hard. <laughs> I mean, those things can change over your lifetime. Things that you thought were the core of your belief or of who God was can do like complete 180s. And um, 
but it has to be through your study. It has to be in your, in your desire to be um, knowing and in relationship with God for those things to happen. I think that's part of the reason why seminary is so hard for some people because they're not ready for that. They're not, they, haven't, they haven't prepared their hearts yet. They're thinking that they're going to go in and learn more about what they already know about God. And seminary isn't going to do that. Now, seminary, like, as much as you may hear somebody say, oh, they just want to knock you down and then build you back up with what they want you to know. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, if you go in with that attitude, then that's what you're going to come out with. But if you go in saying, I have a purpose that God has placed in my life. I have a calling upon my heart and my life. This is what I understand of God at the moment. <laughs> and then allow yourself to be in classes and in conversation. And even if you don't agree with that professor, and even it's one of the worst experiences of your life, that doesn't mean that God can't use that to teach you about him, about God's self and about how you can then share what you're learning. It's not about fighting with people, but it's about learning and growing. My gosh, ladies, I've learned so much in these last couple weeks just being able to sit here with you and talk through this. Right? It really is. But I didn't get that from a seminary class. You know, I'm getting that from a conversation and from really diving in and digging into scripture. So, yeah. Well, thank you for digging in with us. <laughs> thank you for coming and digging in, too. Oh, good. Well, why don't we, uh, any other closing thoughts? Thank you for your questions and being willing to have conversation. Great. Well, let's pray. Oh, actually, before we do that, let me say, because I just looked over towards the camera, if you have questions, put them in the message, like put them in the little chat below and let's engage with those questions. Um, we can do it right there on Facebook. If you're listening through the podcast, um, you can email the church or email me at pastorty at chippewaumc.org and we can continue the conversation just because you're not sitting in the room doesn't mean you can't be part of the conversation. All right. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Thank you, gracious Lord, for this time in your word, for this time together, um, for the incredible revelations that you are just sharing with us, that life in you, Christ, is, is one that can bring suffering, that it can be difficult to change who we are, and the way we live our lives. But you call us to live faithfully according to your word and according to your grace. And so we pray that we would be faithful in living in that tension, living for you and you alone, holding fast to that purpose for which you hold on to us, Thank you, God, for showing us that we can continue to strive toward leaning into all that you desire for us to know. It's not about perfection, but it's about the grace that gets us there. We love you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for listening. Again, this is Pastor Ty, the Associate Pastor here at Chippewa United Methodist Church, and we hope that you have enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss out on next week's study. And you can find us at Chippewa United Methodist Church on Facebook, Vimeo, SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you soon.